0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the era of big government has returned, but the Biden administration is defending the president's $6 trillion budget. That was the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, defending the Biden budget, which experts say could derail America's economic recovery. Also, the record-setting $6 trillion spending bill opens the floodgates for forced taxpayer funding of abortion for the first time since 1976 by removing the Hyde Protection amendment that is annually placed on the appropriations bills. We'll talk about the Munster budget with Terry Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of CNS News. We'll also talk with the GOP's ranking member of the budget committee, Jason Smith of Missouri. And another teacher has spoken out about the insanity in the classroom. This time, the school board in Loudoun County, Virginia, yanked the teacher from the classroom. Tanner Cross joins us along with his t- attorney, Tyson Langhoffer, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Academic Freedom at the Alliance Defending Freedom. But there is more to this story.
2: And as a result of trying to be salt and light, we just need to be prepared. There will be people who will attack us, label us, dismiss us, try to cancel us. They will, they will do whatever they can. But um, to be passive is to be complicit.
1: That was Mr. Cross's pastor, Gary Hamrick, speaking out in defense of Tanner on Sunday from his pulpit in Leesburg, Virginia. Now the Democratic Party is going after Pastor Gary Hamrick, demanding he recant his statements. Will he recant? Eh, don't hold your breath. He joins us later here on Washington. Watch the website, TonyPerkins.com. You might notice a different set today. We're actually broadcasting live from the studios of his channel in Southern California. will be here this week doing a number of events in, uh, in California. In fact, tomorrow night I'll be with uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, then uh, up in Northern California later in the week. And I appreciate you tuning in to his channel as well. The website, again, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. And I would also encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. That way you know what is going on and when to take action. As I say, our republic made only for participants, not spectators. Download the Stand Firm app. All right, just before heading into the Memorial Day weekend, President Biden unveiled his massive $6 trillion proposed budget. Uh, This is the largest budget to ever be uh, presented by a president. And uh, one thing very clear, clearly absent, the Hyde Amendment. This throws open the door to forced taxpayer funding of abortion. Joining us now to talk more about what is in the president's budget and what is not, Terry Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of CNS News. Terry, welcome back to the program.
3: Thanks for having me on, Tony. All
1: right, massive budget uh, filled with tax increases. What do we make of it?
3: Well, it's crazy. I mean, first of all, the Hyde Amendment is outrageous. The idea that we're going to coerce Americans to pay the federal government to turn around and pay for abortions is a moral outrage And I hope there are some Democrats in Congress who are going to stand up against that and make sure that Joe Biden doesn't doesn't get away with it. When you look at this budget on just the fiscal impact of it, Tony, Biden is anticipating that he is going to increase the federal debt by $14.531 trillion over the next 10 years. And in his introduction to the budget, he calls this a fiscally responsible path. And uh, when you do the math on that, when you divide the increase in the debt that he's proposing by the number of people who actually pay taxes, there's about 100 million 450,000 people or so, or households that actually pay income taxes. You're talking about $445,000 in debt per household is where he's taking us in the next 10 years. So people are going to owe more money in debt through the federal government. If we move forward with Joe Biden's budget, then most Americans will owe on their house.
1: It, it uh, as you mentioned, uh, Pete Booty Secretary of Transportation on Fox News this weekend calling this a responsible budget. I want to play another clip of what he had to say uh, Sunday with uh, Chris Wallace. Play clip uh, four, please.
0: Let's make sure that corporations and the wealthy are paying their fair share. And we believe that's going to raise uh, the kind of revenue that we need in order to fund the proposals that the president's put forward. Uh,
1: Pay their fair share. I mean, we're talking about um, almost doubling the capital gains tax. I mean, this is unprecedented tax increases and they're even retroactive.
3: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Joe Biden talks about people's savings as if that's quote unquote wealth and the government should take it away. In other words, someone who works hard their entire life and is prudent and doesn't spend all their money but puts some away, saves it, he wants to tax that money away from them to spend it. He also wants to get some kind of international arrangement where other countries aren't allowed to cut their taxes on corporations to attract corporations from leaving America because they don't want to pay the high taxes here. So, I mean, Biden normally wants higher taxes in the United States. He wants higher taxes globally.
1: Let, let's go back to the Hyde Amendment for a moment. It's not just the Hyde Amendment that has been left out of this budget, but we also see that this eliminates the Dornan Amendment as well, which allows the District of Columbia to fund abortions through its Medicaid program. So a a lot of life issues missing in terms of life protections.
3: Right, this has to be made a major issue. People need to speak up about this. As I said, I think we need to get some Democrats in Congress to resist this. I mean, historically, there has always been some bipartisan agreement on the Hyde Amendment and the Dornan Amendment. And it really is a moral outrage for Joe Biden to think he can use the power of government to force Americans to to kill Innocent, unborn lives. And, by, you know, I'm a Catholic, Tony. Joe Biden claims to be a Catholic. I think the Catholic bishops in this country need to stand up and speak out against what Biden is proposing and saying this is an outrage and there will be consequences for him if he does it. I think that this needs to be really brought high up in the national debate.
1: Uh, Terry, it's not only domestic policy that's impacted by pro-abortion funding, but this actually takes it international as well.
3: Yeah, he wants to get rid of the Mexico City policy. He wants to pay money to international groups that promote and perform abortion, and, and that too is an outrage. I mean, you know, the idea that we want to have Americans subsidizing the killing of unborn children all around the world is a just outrageous thing, and and, and I, I, I personally believe that if this is debated on a high level, if it's forced into the national media, if people really resist, that that some Democrats will go over and Joe Biden will not succeed in doing this. But the fact that he's even trying is an outrage.
1: I mean, again, uh, people need to understand the historical significance here. This is the first time since 1976, when the Hyde Amendment was first introduced, that we have a presidential budget, administration budget being introduced with no protections for taxpayers being forced into partnership with Planned Planned Parenthood. Contrast this budget, Terry Jeffrey, with that of uh, the Trump administration.
3: Well, I mean, Donald Trump made sure that Americans were not funding abortion. He also at least rolled back funding of research that was done using tissue that was taken from aborted babies and funded by the federal government. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump was trying to get a fence built at the border so that we could secure our southern frontier. And people weren't tempted to come all the way across Mexico and illegally enter our country. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of things that President Trump was trying to do, he didn't get support not only from the Democrats, but there were some establishment Republicans on the Hill that didn't want to spend the money on some of his important projects well uh, it's radically a a shift here in the direction of the federal budget
1: not only were there projects that uh, the president wanted to fund that some Republicans would not go along with but they were projects that uh, Donald Trump eliminated from the federal budget that they defended like uh, a lot of the, the spending for the humanities and the arts which is wasteful spending because of the projects that they fund with them.
3: Right. And, you know, we're looking at the big picture. We're talking about the massive debt that Joe Biden's going to run up. But when you get down into the, the minutiae of how these agencies are going to spend this money, there are outrageous things. Like you mentioned, the National Endowment for the Arts. The National Endowment for the Arts has been doing outrageous things for for four decades. Every once in a while it gets pointed out, there's a debate in Congress, but they've never really dealt with it. And uh, someday, I hope that we have a Republican government or a conservative government that actually, really will deal with it.
1: Uh, How does climate change factor into uh, the Biden budget?
3: It's all—it's if you read the Biden budget, which I did today, uh, it's all over. It—it's all climate change is one of the major terms. Every part of the budget, they're talking about things they're going to do about climate change. It's—it's truly an obsession. In the budget. So there's a lot of money. I don't know exactly how much, but there's a lot of money in a lot of different areas of the government that's going to be spent theoretically to come to terms and deal with, quote unquote, climate change. I
1: think just directly he calls for thirty six billion dollars just to fight climate change. But that's just one aspect of the funding. As you said, it's woven throughout the, the budget. Now, you you alluded to this, Terry Jeffrey, that, you know, the presidential budgets, it's a starting point for discussion. Uh, Rarely do you see a presidential budget uh, pass through. I mean, I don't think it's ever happened where it just passes through as it's been presented because Congress wants to put their mark on this. Will Republicans and Democrats go along with this budget?
3: Well, as I said, I hope that there's going to be some Democrats that will resist the idea of eliminating the Hyde Amendment. Honestly, I think there will be particularly Democrats from more socially conservative swing districts. And, uh, you know, I think actually there are probably some Democrats, certainly in the House, who actually don't think we should be spending tax dollars on abortions. So I I think that's something where conservatives can win. But, you know, Tony, another thing that happens in the process of funding the federal government is rather than pass independent appropriations bills, that fund a particular agency and that people have time to look at, read, debate, they often roll everything in or almost everything into a giant, quote, unquote, omnibus bill that they'll try and ram through that's so long and so complicated that few people actually look at all the details. And then you find out after it's passed that, oh my gosh, this was in it. So I think, you know, this is clearly something with Biden as president, and the Democrats controlling both houses of Congress, that conservatives are really going to have to keep a close eye at the process as it moves forward for funding the government.
1: Uh, Terry Jeffrey, we're out of time, but presidential budgets send a message more than anything else. Uh, I think the message, if I'm not mistaken, is being communicated loud and clear that the era of big government is back.
3: Without without doubt.
1: Terry Jeffrey, yeah. as always, great to uh, great to join. Have you on the program thanks for joining us thank you tony terry jeffrey with cns news i encourage you to make them one of your sources of information because they uh, they track it uh, they're conservative they're not funded by the government and they look at it from a constitutional conservative perspective all right stick with us because we're going to continue our discussion about the budget because you need to participate in this you need to be speaking to your lawmakers about what is happening. In Washington, D.C., as it pertains to your money, some unprecedented proposals for tax increases in this budget, and as we talked about, elimination of the protections from taxpayers being forced into partnership with Planned Parenthood. We're going to be joined by Jason Smith, the ranking GOP member of the Budget Committee, when we return. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come right after this.
4: What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe versus Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com.
5: Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible Reading Plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, we're broadcasting live from Southern California at his channel. If you uh, have not visited his channel, you can do so online. Check out his channel. All right. uh, 25 years after Bill Clinton told the American people that the era of big government was over, President Biden, as we just talked about, is saying it's back. uh, With much more to come if he and his administration have their way. President Biden's fiscal year 2022 budget released on Friday represents the most substantial expansion of the federal government's spending power since World War II and threatens to push the national debt into new record highs and derail America's economic recovery. But according to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, President Biden's $6 trillion proposal is responsible. Clip one, please.
0: This is a responsible budget, and importantly, all of the proposals for spending and investment in this budget are paid for.
1: Is it responsible? Join me now to uh, talk about this, Jason Smith, ranking member on the House Budget Committee, who represents Missouri's 8th Congressional District. He also serves on the House Ways and Means Committee. Congressman Smith, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. Mm-hmm. Let me just start right there with that. Is this a responsible budget?
6: No. president biden's budget is an extreme show of disrespect for america's working class families, under his vision within this budget, he basically will get greater greater command and control over the lives and livelihoods of of all American citizens. He completely ignores how massive government spending will will have Americans paying more to put food on their tables, gas in their cars and and closing their backs. This is the latest budget in the history of the United States by any president. And it's also, it proposes the largest expansion of government spending ever, $69 trillion and just $7.2 trillion this year alone. Uh, I could go on about all the items, but it it is filled full of a disaster of items.
1: Uh, Congressman Smith, we were just discussing earlier how the presidential budget is more about messaging because Congress puts its mark on the budget and they're the ones that actually control the purse strings. Uh, So clearly Congress is going to take this up. But that said, should Americans still be concerned about what has been produced here by the president in his administration?
6: Americans should be absolutely concerned, Tony, as as the president and as speaker pelosi has said numerous times a budget is a statement of your values and if you look at some of the policy items that's put in within this budget by this administration something that has has basically been a bipartisan agreement for years that is to make sure that the hyde amendment stays in place and as you know the hyde amendment says that no federal tax dollars Will be used for abortions in fact president biden rips that out so he will allow federal dollars to be used to pay for abortions also putting millions of dollars in there to implement gun restriction laws in states throughout this country that's just to name a few policy items also providing education grants to illegal citizens if you look at their proposals across the board for non-defense items, it averages about 16% increase on every agency. But when it comes to protecting American security, such as the Southern border, not one additional dollar in spending. They found $6 trillion but couldn't find one extra dollar to secure the Southern border. And then when you're looking at funding for our national defense, Tony, just the interest just the interest 10 years from now and all of all of this spending all of this debt will be more than what what we'll be paying to fund our military that's absolutely unacceptable
1: yeah if i recall the numbers correctly it's the the smallest or one of the smallest increases ever to our nation's military just a little over one percent increase but that even has the progressives in congress up in arms saying that the military should be cut Not expanded in any way. Is there the possibility, Congressman Smith, that we might see an infighting in the Democratic ranks
6: between the more progressives? Well, I'll tell you, funding, like what you said, funding for the military would fall to the lowest levels of, as a percentage of the economy since World War II. In fact, even though it shows just over a 1% increase this year, it diverts billions in defense funding to climate resilience and energy efficiencies. And as what you stated, the Democrat Party is fighting within right now. Even the chairman of the House Budget Committee, Chairman Yarmouth, has said, I don't think that he, – he said that he does not think that he will even be able to pass the budget from the House Committee or the House floor because there's so many members of the far left of his party that wants to completely defund the Pentagon. Uh, they definitely have two different directions within their conference, and it looks like the left is winning.
1: Uh, Congressman Smith, when we talk about the tax hikes and increases here, uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, again this weekend. Uh, on Fox, saying that uh, the, the wealthy should pay their fair share. Uh, but they're already paying upwards of a third of their income or more in taxes. And this proposes a doubling of the federal capital gains tax from 23.8% to 43.4%. What's that going to do to economic recovery?
6: It, it will be devastating. But what's even worse is Joe Biden campaigned on that he would not raise taxes For low-income and middle-class Americans. But in fact, in this budget proposal, he does the complete opposite. Anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year will receive a tax increase under the proposed budget. What what Biden has done within this proposal is completely allow all the provisions that affect the low-income and the middle class of President Trump's Tax Cut and Jobs Act to expire. That means raising taxes for all the low income and the middle class, but they won't let you hear that. When you talk about increasing the business rate, their proposal is to increase the business rate higher than that of communist China. So basically, President Biden's philosophy is is that if you have a factory in rural America, He wants you to close your doors and move to Beijing because you will have a lower tax rate there. And he wants to definitely put China first and America last. That's the proposals of this budget. That is what he's doing right now, Tony.
1: Well, Congressman Jason Smith, we look forward to continuing to talk with you as this budget process unfolds so we can let Americans know what they need to do to stop this. Thanks so much for joining us today.
6: Thank you, sir. Have a great evening. All right.
1: Folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, a Virginia school district has removed a teacher for not bowing to the radical transgender ideology. We talk about it next with him and his attorney. Don't go away.
4: Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app.
0: As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If the set looks different, it's because we're broadcasting live from his channel in Southern California. Great folks. Uh, check him out. His channel. All right. An elementary school teacher in Virginia's third largest school district has been suspended for voicing his objections to two proposed school policies that would force him and other teachers to violate their beliefs by requiring them to address students with their chosen pronouns rather than the ones consistent with their biological sex. The teacher, Tanner Cross spoke up during the public comment period at Loudoun County School Board meeting last Tuesday, May the 25th, respectfully explaining his concern for students who struggle with gender dysphoria, but also expressing concern about being forced to violate his beliefs. Clip five, please.
7: Of all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God.
1: Two days after the meeting, the school informed him that he was being placed on administrative leave pending an investigation. With me now to talk about this is Tanner Cross and... Tyson Langhofer, who is uh, the Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Academic Freedom at Alliance Defending Freedom, which is representing Tanner. Uh, Tanner, welcome to Washington Watch.
7: Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it.
1: And Tyson, thanks you, thank you for joining us as well. ADF, great job you guys do in defending religious freedom across the country. First, uh, let me just ask you this. Uh, Tanner, did, did I set it up appropriately? What did I miss in uh, setting up this story?
7: Um, you didn't miss anything. You, you didn't miss anything at all. Um, just uh, there, There's just a couple facts about how this, uh, how this has come about. Um, I, uh, I went and spoke at a school board meeting uh, Wednesday. Um, I went to work just like it was a normal day, uh, played T-ball with my students, had a great time. Wednesday night, I get a call from HR department um, asking for a meeting with me at uh, 9 a.m. last Thursday morning, and I went to that meeting, and I sat down with HR, and they said that I was being put on administrative leave, and I asked, what am I being put on administrative leave for? And they said, it's in the letter, and they put a letter over in front of my face, and I uh, started reading it, and it said that I was a disruption to my elementary school, and then it just went from there. So,
1: now, you made your comments in a public comment section of the school mm-hmm. board meeting. Uh, yes. Is that the only place in which you stated those comments?
7: Um, I, I did write letters uh, to the school board, just expressing my views and how I felt uh, about uh, policies that were coming into our county uh, and will probably and there will be in effect this coming fall.
1: But you, you were exercising your freedoms in doing so appropriately by communicating with those who set the policies for the school district. So I'm, I'm curious as yeah. to the investigation. What are they going to investigate? What you did was public and open with the school board.
7: Right. Um, that, that's a great question. We, we, we would like to hear an answer for that, too. And that's why we're, we're playing for my job, and we just would like my job back.
1: Uh, Tyson, this... To me, it looks pretty open and shut. I mean, does he, does a teacher not have the ability to go to a public forum and speak along with other citizens?
8: Absolutely, does, Tony. I mean, the, the First Amendment's clear. Teachers don't shed their constitutional rights when they step onto a, the schoolhouse property. And, and in this case, he wasn't even on the schoolhouse property. He went to a public meeting where the school board invited the public to come comment On proposed policies policies that aren't even uh, passed yet and uh, they should be welcoming teachers comments not punishing them for simply sharing their views
1: but this is a this is a piece of a much bigger puzzle that we see coming together across the country where other school districts are pushing this and I think the my interpretation of this is that when you have teachers uh, standing up like Tanner that that throws a cog uh, in the wheels here for them and it, it upsets the uh, it upsets what they're trying to accomplish.
8: Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Tony. This is unfortunately a pattern that we're seeing across the country with school boards. And, and frankly, I think this is, this is the school board's way of, of you know, sending a message to other teachers that if you speak out um, you're going to be punished and, and that's wrong because there's a lot of teachers that have spoken at board meetings in the past in favor of these policies and they haven't been punished. Uh, people on both sides of the aisle should be able to speak their mind, uh, and especially teachers, when, when we're talking about policies that are going to affect teachers' rights and also going to affect how students are treated in the classroom.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Tanner, all you were saying was that I'm not going to play games, these make-believe games, and call people by pronouns that are inconsistent with their biological sex. I mean, that, that that does not seem unreasonable to be. In fact, used to in school. When I was in school, you got in trouble for uh, make-believe. Uh, you had to live in reality. But somehow the uh, the tables have been turned now, and uh, the, the, the teachers are not the one, the, the administrators are not the ones that live in reality.
7: Yeah, Tony, um, you know, teachers are, are humans too, and we have our religious and political beliefs, and we like to go advocate for those As well, so we shouldn't be punished for uh, speaking out. All
1: right, we're up against the break. I'm going to ask both of you if you could stand by for uh, through the break. I I got one or two more questions for you, and then your pastor Gary Hamrick is going to be joining me uh, a little bit later in the program. Folks, uh, stick with us. More Washington Watch still to come. Uh, This is outrageous and we're going to continue to focus on what is happening in schools across the country because it's affecting you and your children and it's affecting our communities it is time that we as americans say enough is enough and when those teachers stand up and speak out we need to stand with them the left stands with the left-leaning teachers let's stand with those on truth don't go away
9: get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network. Spot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com.
0: Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org Roe.
10: The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law, and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit FRC.org
9: equalityact Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media and, if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit FRC.org slash Nigeria.
4: Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019 up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and download the Stand Firm app. That way, you can take us with you wherever you go. You also will be in contact with us so we can let you know when to take action to protect our republic. All right, on the phone, joining me, Tanner Cross, PE teacher at Loudoun County, Virginia, and uh, his attorney, uh, Tyson Langhoffer, who is uh, with the senior, se- senior counsel. And Director of the Center for Academic Freedom and Alliance, defending freedom, uh, doing great work on behalf of religious freedom across the country all right uh, Tanner, I want to go back uh, just a, a, another question for you. Mm-hmm. You, you talked mm-hmm. about you know teachers having mm-hmm. the rights not being forced to do this, but you spoke out very clearly about your faith. Um, there are some that think teachers, elected officials, policemen, firemen should check their faith at the door of public service. What do you say to that?
7: No, we, we shouldn't have to, uh, Tony, check our, our faith at the door. And the thing is that we support um, anybody that I, that I really know um, as a friend or coworker. support free speech. And we just feel that whether you disagree or agree, we should just freely speak to one another and, and, and be civil.
1: Uh, Tyson, is that a trend that we see that people are to uh, expected to check their faith at the door? Is that what is excited the left so much about this particular case?
8: Well, I don't know if the, that's a, a trend, a, a recent trend. It's definitely oh, over the last 20 or 30 years you've seen many more people buy into this notion that that people are supposed to give up their faith in order to serve office. But that's clearly not what the First Amendment says. The First Amendment, including the Establishment Clause, says that the government is supposed to be neutral towards religion. They cannot be hostile towards religion. And, but what we're seeing is a, a hostility toward those of religious faith, whether it be Christians or others. Everyone should be free to live out their faith, and their job shouldn't depend on, on um, and, or, or they shouldn't be punished for simply exercising their faith uh, or speaking their mind, as Tanner.
1: Uh, Tanner, what role did uh, your your church, your pastor, play in your decision to to speak out publicly and take the stand that you've taken?
7: Um, my my pastor has been <clears throat> very influential in, in my walk with Jesus, but but also I would like to note that he supports our First Amendment and has been very vocal. To the local community, and in his messages out to the world, that he respects all faiths and he yeah, supports the First Amendment, where we can just speak freely with one another.
1: Well, Tanner, I, I want to thank you and Tyson for coming on the program, but I, I want to thank you, Tanner, in particular for for your bold stand, uh, bold stand, your courageous. Uh, position that you've taken, and I, I think that you're an example to, to others, and I, I want to commend you for that and encourage you to continue to stand in the face of uh, this cultural opposition and political opposition that you're going to face, uh, even from those that you've worked with. Uh, but what happens when we take these stands is that courage breeds courage. So uh, mm-hmm. th- thank you for uh, for standing firm.
7: Thank you, Tony, for having us on.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, Tyson, keep up the great work there at ADF.
8: Thank you, Tony. Appreciate your support.
1: Well, I want to transition uh, to another aspect of this. As I, as I mentioned, uh, Tanner attends Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. And uh, the pastor there happens to be a good friend of mine, Pastor Gary Hamrick, who, uh, as Tanner made reference to, has been speaking out very, very clearly about uh, these issues for a long time. Uh, But he's preaching the word of God, systematically teaching the application. Doesn't do any good just to hear the word unless you live it out. Pastor Gary, welcome back to Washington Watch.
2: Thank you, Tony. It's good to be with you.
1: Um, You and I have talked a lot over the last several years as we've seen this progression. Uh, Did you ever think it was going to come right there to, to home, to Loudoun County?
2: I mean, you know, over the years, I've seen things I didn't expect um, to happen. So in some ways, I'm not surprised. In other ways, I am. Um, but, you know, this is what living out your faith is all about. It is, it is applying what we know to be true from God's Word to everyday life. And so here it is. And we have to be ready to um, be salt and light in our community. I want
1: to play a, a clip from your message on, uh, on Sunday as you spoke out about this. Play clip number uh,
2: six, please. we got to take back our schools. I mean, what are we to do? Are we just to throw our arms up and surrender and retreat and let our country and our county and our kids be taken over by progressive, liberal Marxist ideology? I mean, this is just this is out of control. Somebody steps up, Free speech lovingly talks about how, by his faith, he has to be true to reality, and for that, he's placed in ministry.
1: Now, uh, before I get into the response to that statement and to your message Sunday, um, let's talk about the case with Tanner. You have a large church. Um, you didn't even know that he was actually a part of your church when this happened.
2: No, I didn't. It wasn't until a few days later that uh, I reached out to him through one of our staff members and found out that he and his wife had been going here for the past five or six months and uh, so I met with him and prayed for him and then on Sunday I had him up in front of the congregation so we could all pray for him and so we could all encourage him.
1: Well, Quite frankly, uh, Pastor Gary, I think that's what churches should do when you've got a a member of your congregation that is standing up actually living out what you preach on Sundays, we don't want to abandon them. We want to stand with them. And I wish more pastors and churches across America would stand with those who find themselves in these cultural frays because they are simply refusing to surrender biblical truth in the public square. And this is my prediction. If more pastors and churches did that, more men and women would be standing up.
2: Yeah, I agree. But unfortunately, I think today pastors have been um, uh, reluctant to speak up because a lot of pastors, and I know this is just true about any of our flesh, we're kind of motivated by what I say are two things, nickels and noses. So we're afraid about losing money. We're afraid about losing people. And so we become intimidated to really stand for the truth. But what I have found is that the more that I just lovingly tell the truth, and share God's Word, that people are hungry for that. And it's actually had the opposite effect. People are coming because they want to know. Somebody please tell me the truth in the midst of a very relative world.
1: That is absolutely the case. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the program, I'm in Southern California actually at his channel. We're, We're broadcasting live from there, and tomorrow night I'll be with our mutual friend. Uh, Jack Hibbs at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. That's what he's he's experienced over the last 18 months as he refused to close his doors and, uh, and and has continued to preach, while others stayed at home. They're flocking to the church. People are looking for a source of truth and stability, and there's nothing that replaces the Word of God because it is the same yesterday, today and forever. Now, Pastor Gary, I want to ask you, uh, there's been a uh, kind of a visceral response from the left to your Sunday sermon. Uh, They're asking you, the Democratic Party there in Virginia is asking you to recant your message. Are you going to recant?
2: Not going to recant. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, If the school board would just stick with educational related things, like whatever happened to reading, writing, and arithmetic, once they stepped into the arena of sexuality and gender identity, they've crossed into an arena that we as pastors are supposed to be faithful about, because those are are God-ordained categories, sexuality, gender identity. And so because those are scriptural issues, those are God-ordained issues, I felt the need to speak out, because there's so much confusion with all of this, but there's no way I can recant, because— you can't you can't turn your back on the truth. You have to be uh, truthful and loving at the same time. But but we have to rise up in this day and and declare what is right. You know, it was I think it was Martin Luther who said, "Peace if possible, but truth at all costs."
1: You know, Pastor Gary Hamrick, an excellent point you just made with that. Th- the same can be said of the abortion issue. You know, back before Roe v. Wade. You know, life. That that's a That's a moral, spiritual issue. But the politicians... in in the court, when it turned it into a political issue, it's now telling the church, hands off. Same thing with the redefinition of marriage. And now the whole issue with human sexuality and this transgender movement. Look, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, have you not read from the beginning that God created them male and female? These are biblical issues. And if the pastors of America are not going to speak to them, it's going to create a vacuum in which the popular culture the faddish culture of the day, will be the ones that dominate the conversation.
2: That's right. And, and, you know, the church always has taken the lead, historically speaking. This is just in longstanding tradition of the involvement of the church. Uh, John Peter Mullenberg, who pastored in Woodstock, Virginia, in the 1700s, you know, removed his black clerical robe to reveal his Continental uh, uh, officer's uniform in the Continental Army. And he led men from his church to form the 8th Virginia Brigade in the Revolutionary War. And I'm not talking about advocating violence in any way when we talk about war, but I'm just saying that the longstanding tradition has been for pastors to be involved.
1: Another area of criticism that the left has leveled against you is that at the church you allowed those that were uh, signing uh, recall petitions to uh, present those petitions and allow people to sign those after uh, the church service
2: yeah we were approached by a group of parents and teachers in our congregation and in our community they are sick of this liberal progressive ideology that is infiltrating our school system and uh you know i i labored about whether or not to allow that to happen here but then when tanner cross's case came up and what they did to him Um, And I started thinking historically, too, about people like uh, William Wilberforce and how he was the driving force in Great Britain as a Christian to abolish slavery. And he knew that there's a balance between proclamation, proclaiming the gospel and refutation, refuting moral evils of the day. I realized, you know, I I just can't be silent. To be silent is to be complicit. And um, so I just felt the need to step up, allow these folks to have these petitions. And I told our congregation, if you don't feel led to sign them, don't. But if you do, here's your opportunity to let your voices be heard and to try to recall some of these school board members.
1: Uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick, I I think I know the answer to this because you have been teaching and preparing your congregation. Uh, But how did they respond to your Sunday message?
2: Standing ovation. People stood up, applauded. Um, They're excited to try to retake the ground that's been lost. Uh, I think the church has been asleep for too long. I don't mean our church in particular, but I think in general, sadly, um, the American church has been asleep too long, and it's time to reclaim the land for the glory of God, do it in a loving but truthful way, and uh, lift up our voices, because otherwise, how will the world hear? How will people know if we are not being that salt and light in our community?
1: Final question for you, uh, Pastor Gary. What would you say to other pastors that might be listening? Because this now is moving into community after community all across America. In fact, uh, I I doubt that there will be a school district that is immune from this attack by the time the uh, first four years of the Biden administration is over.
2: I would say to pastors in the country, look, um, we have to lead the way, and we're, we, we're going to get some pushback. I mean, I've already gotten quite a bit of hate mail, but I, I want to also add I've gotten tremendous encouraging emails and phone calls, but um, it, we just can't remain silent. Uh, our congregations are looking to us to step it up and to be examples of godliness in a very relative world, and if we don't do it, who will? So please, pastors, rise to the occasion and be loving, truthful leaders.
1: Uh, and uh, Tanner, how is he and his family uh, doing?
2: You know, I, I think that the grace of God is sustaining them. They are hanging in there. Um, I hope that the county reinstates him with an apology. It would be nice. I don't know if that will happen, and I don't know if the Lord will open other doors for Tanner. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I appreciate Tanner. He's, I said to our congregation, he's like a modern-day Daniel. We need more Daniels, more men and women who will rise to the occasion in the face of difficult cultures and, and let the truth be told.
1: Well, he's an example of courage, and, and quite yes, frankly, I think that usually when you see something like that, you know someone that has a, a church family, a pastor that has been teaching them, discipling them, and standing with them. So uh, I, I thank you again, Pastor Gary, for being, uh, being that type of a pastor to encourage your people to live out their faith in a very real and tangible way.
2: Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great evening.
1: Pastor Gary Hamrick, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. You know, James tells us very clearly that, you know, we're, we're not to be just hearers of the Word, but we're to be doers of the Word as well. And, and pastors, if we really are preaching the Word to impact the world around us through the lives of those that are in our congregations or those that are hearing us, well, if they actually act upon what we're teaching... Well, we certainly should stand with them when they run into opposition. And in today's world, if you're living, and you're living for Jesus Christ, and you don't encounter opposition, then you, you, really need to, you really need to think whether or not you're living boldly and courageously as God has called us to. Because in these days, the conflict, you don't have to search it out. It will find you. I encourage you, be bold, be courageous, stand firm for the truth. Again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting from his channel in Southern California. we will be with uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs tomorrow night, so check us out then as well. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words. The Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says "When you've done everything you can do when you've prayed when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action.